Today's episode of Behind the Numbers is brought to you by Hayfley Flanagan. Hayfley Flanagan is a full-service accounting firm that's been serving our clients since 1967. We are not your typical accounting firm. Our services extend well beyond tax and audit to include valuation services, strategic and succession planning, leadership development, and more. When you work with Hayfley Flanagan, we help you realize your long-term goals. Learn more at hfco.com or call 856-722-5300. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and welcome to the show where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. So if you're a business owner or entrepreneur, one of the topics that always comes up is transitioning the business, when, how, what. We're going to be talking about that with Jim Rogers, who's the managing partner of Hayfley Flanagan. Jim, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here, Dave. It's great to have you. And Hayfley Flanagan is sponsoring this episode and a few other episodes of Behind the Numbers. Very much appreciate that. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about the firm, Hayfley Flanagan, and your role there as managing partner? Sure. So Hayfley Flanagan started as a small, uh, single-member firm in the city of Philadelphia, uh, its initial year, moving to South Jersey very quickly. Uh, and that's where our base has been in downtown, beautiful uh, Maple Shade, New Jersey. Uh, we're 55 people, and we provide a, a variety of services that most CPA firms do. You know, uh, auditing, assurance work, what we refer to, uh, tax. Tax is a big component of our uh, practice, you know, from individual to corporate um, and, and partnership returns. And in addition to that, we, we have a unique uh, ability to do consulting work. We have uh, consultants who, who can help with coaching. Um, we have a big presence in the valuation world. Um, we do strategic planning and many other obscure things that businesses really need in today's world. Um, r- the reality is, is most business need more help, I'll say, on the consulting side than the actual um, compliance side. The, the difficult thing is getting clients to understand that we can be a resource for that because a lot of times they look at us as a CPA firm, you know, and it's trying to get that message out that, there that we are more than a, a CPA firm. Yeah. My background is I, I grew up, uh, you know, started in Boston at one of the big eight back in the day. And, and a funny story is when I started, you know, someone said to me, you should interview with the big eight uh, firms. And I said, why would I want to play football? Like I, I really, <laughs> I, I really was pretty naive coming out of college. And um, it was a great experience because they gave me exposure pretty early on to, to mergers, acquisitions, um, transitioning businesses, um, which usually didn't happen in a large firm. I was really lucky, um, you know, met someone who took interest in me and really helped me develop that. And through that, it, it's helped me in my profession because I realized pretty quickly that, it, it, you know, the profession is not about anyone can do your compliance work not necessarily to, to the highest standard, um, but it's really trying to understand your client's business and really try to help them, you know, move forward in a, in a very dramatic way. Yeah. Uh, the business owners that I speak to regularly are looking for more than just the 
traditional services more than just the compliance-based things, if you will. They're looking for strategy, insights, and planning, which dovetails to this topic here of, of transitioning your business. It, it's something that's on everyone's mind. They're taught that day, day one, from inception of the business, you should be thinking about ultimately an exit. Um, is there a right time to sell? Well, there's always a right time to sell. What I, what I always try to uh, tell clients or convince clients is that your, your business is an asset. Um, similar to if you had a portfolio of stock and you had 25 stocks, you would evaluate whether you're going to keep them, why you would sell them, uh, you know, why you would keep them and, and the value you saw into them. And, and I try to express that same thing uh, to business owners to, to step back and try to look at their business from a value perspective, because every business has a cycle. I mean, if you look historically, I mean, some of the biggest companies in the world, Kodak, out of business, um, Goodwill Tires, out of business, you know, like, like everything comes and goes in a cycle. And, and the biggest problem most individual owners have, you know, from that perspective is most of them, it started as a family business. Maybe their father started it and they've taken it over and they've taken it from a level, um, you know, where the, the dad had certain limitations in his ability, abilities. The son is probably more educated, um, you know, probably understands what drives the business to the next level. Right. Um, but, but what tends to happen is they get a little defensive in the sense that they think that they need to keep this going into perpetuity. And, and that's one of their biggest challenges. Yeah. So what you're alluding to there is what I'll call the the emotional attachment, and rightfully so, right? I mean, it's it's their baby. They they brought it up. Um, what's been your experience in terms of this the the emotional component in terms of keeping or preventing business owners from doing the right thing? Uh, I would say the emotional attachment in in most cases is the the number one thing that they need to you know, uh, step back and look at and, and make sure they're really being um, decisive in, in the economic realities of their business. You know, um, as an example, there's, there's a group of clients that used to do, I call it the chachi business, the, the uh, uh, trophies, yeah. awards. I mean, years ago, there was hundreds of those companies. You know, in the, in the Philadelphia market, there was probably 10 significant companies in that business, where now there, there's probably one that's been successful because he saw what was happening, he automated processes, he used um, intellectual uh, technology to make his uh, processes better, where a lot of them you know, stayed kind of where they were and, and never moved forward. Um, and, and again, the emotional aspect of a lot of that, you know, this is how my dad did it, you know, I'm going to do it the same way. And they really didn't uh, seek that advice, which hopefully that's what I bring to the table is, you know, really being honest with them and saying, hey, you need to either change, sell or, or, or think of something else, you know, maybe even close at yeah. times. Yeah. So you mentioned the, the idea of the son in that particular example that you talked about being a part of the business, which makes me think about this, this whole concept of the next generation. And we see business transitions, family businesses to the next generation. Sometimes they're interested and receptive. Other times they're not. Maybe they're in the business or they're not. Um, what about this notion of the second generation becoming leaders of the business and taking it over? What are the challenges that you're seeing uh, those individuals uh, incurring? 
Well, many times the, the, the most significant challenge is, is you have a, um, maybe a first or second generation uh, business owner. He has a couple children. Uh, the children are interested, um, but the uh, parent you know, doesn't necessarily do a good job of teaching them how to be a successful business owner. He just knows how to do it. And, and what they don't understand is, and again, this is where we can step in and help, is um, like, for instance, in, in a couple of cases, we convince the owners that, you know, their, their children need coaching. You know, an outside consultant that comes in and sort of guides them in how to become that successful business owner. Um, and it really works because, uh, you know, I, I'm a father of five children. Do my children really listen to me? Sometimes. I, I mean, you know, and sometimes oh, that's dad just talking. Well, right. well, the business owner's children, you know, feel the same way. And, and in many cases, like I, I mentioned before, is many times the um, child has been more educated than the father. You know, they, they typically, because, you know, our goal in America typically is you try to make your children's life better than yours was. And, right. and the best way to do that is through education. So you have a child who maybe went to um, a successful or, or highly regarded MBA school where maybe the dad didn't even graduate from college. You know, so the child sometimes, um, you know, doesn't necessarily listen to the father. Yeah, I think anybody out there who's a parent um, certainly understands that <laughs> exactly. You can say one thing to your kid, but if uh, Aunt Joni says it, it resonates right. a little differently. Yeah, same words, but yeah. Definitely. Well, I, I often um, use this is, uh, you know, we'll go into a situation, a consulting situation at a client. You know, we'll talk to the different employees. You'll talk to the chief of finance. You'll talk to the controller. The controller has been trying to push an idea for years. They'll tell you. You say it to the business owner, and he's very receptive to it, where the individual employee has been saying it for years, and he kind of poo-pooed it. So it's, it's kind of an interesting, you know, it's the same as a you know, father-child yeah. relationship. No, for sure. It's exactly what it is. And I don't mean to dismiss, it could be a, a mother-child, you know, because many of our uh, businesses are now well, women-owned. Fair point. Thank you for saying that. Jim, folks watching, listening, who want to learn more about you or how they can work with you or your firm, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So I am in, on LinkedIn, James uh, Rogers Jr. Um, and my email is jim.rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S, at hfco.com. Or you can go to our website, www.hfco.com. Great. We're getting close to a commercial break here, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the family dynamics when you've got second gen, maybe even sometimes third gen involved in the business. And like any other family thing, um, they don't always get along. What's been your experience in navigating the family dynamic in these businesses? Um, you, you know, that is a very difficult uh, process. I happen to have just a very personal little story where my uh, father-in-law owned a catering business and he had... Uh, uh, six children, five daughters and a son. And his son was the only one that was really active and knew the business and was working on it. And it took me a while to convince him that, you know, he really should transfer it to his son because he was setting himself up for a, a problem at some point where the five daughters could want to take control. But it's, it, 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 it is a significant emotional issue because all parents think they want to treat all their children the same. 
and they're not all the same. And, and the thing I try to convince them is, hey, you know, as a business owner, you have assets. You have your business and you have your other assets. And I said, in some cases, it makes more sense to leave the business to the people that really are, I would say, making a living from the business and give the other assets to the other children so you don't create this you know, potential conflict. All yeah. children are different. Um, some get along, some don't get along, and um, you're just setting yourself up you know, for a future problem if you don't think about that. Yeah, and it certainly is going to make holiday dinners a little more challenging. Uh, could. <laughs> I've seen that movie. Jim, don't go anywhere. We're going to have to take a quick commercial break here. You sit tight, folks. You watching and listening, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. Today's episode of Behind the Numbers is brought to you by Hayfley Flanagan. Hayfley Flanagan is a full-service accounting firm that's been serving our clients since 1967. We are not your typical accounting firm. Our services extend well beyond tax and audit to include valuation services, strategic and succession planning, leadership development, and more. When you work with Hayfley Flanagan, we help you realize your long-term goals. Learn more at hfco.com or call 856-722-5300. It takes something special to dive into the unknown. To face the unpredictable and unlock the mysteries that await beyond. Something tough, reliable, to fuel your confidence where elements seem to conspire to blur your senses. Unwavering ally, relentlessly field tested by the pioneers who ventured there before. It was constantly perfected over time. For those who push their limits always further and shine an ever new light on our world. The Submariner. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and we are talking about transitioning your business with Jim, uh, Jim Rogers, who's the managing partner at Hayfley Flanagan. Jim, welcome back for round two. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. We're going to talk about my favorite topic, which is valuation. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Marriage in the family. Progressive rock and, and yeah, fantasy right, football. Right, exactly. Right. But we'll save that for another day. Um, you're paying for this episode, so let's okay. get down to business, shall we? 
Valuation is the topic I'm going to talk about. So okay. m- monetizing the value of this business, you talked about in the first segment that business owners need to think about their, their business as an asset. And I want you to talk about the idea about the monetization and we'll even say maximizing that valuation in the sale. Yeah, I, I think an important uh, part that most business owners uh, don't think about is is what's the value of my business from the perspective of getting someone from the outside to come in and and help them, you know, understand that value. Uh, most of them, you, you know, what I say to them is if they belong to a, a trade show organization or or a uh, organization that has many sim- similar memberships uh, members in it, um, you know, you can get some data from that. But what happens is, is the data sometimes you get is misleading because, yeah. you know, they'll give you a rule of thumb that says your business is one term, uh, worth one times earn, uh, revenue, yeah. you know, where that, that's great as an indicator. But what, what I often say to them is, look, get a professional to come in. They don't necessarily have to do a formal, full written report, but to come in and do a, a, a a look at your, you know, through your books and records, understand what's going on, understand how you fit into the marketplace to give you an indication of value. And and what I mean by that is, is it's a basis because sometimes in the marketplace, your business may uh, sell for even a higher number or lower number, you know, depending on how you fit and where your technology is based on your competitors. Yeah. Man, so much of that resonates. I was actually just talking to a business owner very recently, and they did not want to make an, an investment in the valuation because they didn't think they needed it. They were going to apply a rule of thumb. And I, I tried to explain to them that this back of the napkin, back of the envelope, those are not valuation methods, folks. That's not how you do it. Um, and to your point, I was trying to explain to them that we don't need to do a full narrative for this particular circumstance, we can tailor a solution for you and doesn't want to hear it. And what's going to happen is he's not going to get fair value for his shares or his management team's going to overpay for the shares. So nobody wins. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a habitual problem. I mean, you know, again, you, you think about like, so, so the cost and the benefit you know, the benefit far outweighs whatever you're going to pay to do this. Because the one thing a good person who's doing your valuation like yourself, Dave, is, um, you know, they'll get into more, not not just the numbers, but kind of what's going on in the marketplace. You know, again, how you fit in and do you have drivers that that make your particular business worth more, you know, than yeah. than the other people in your industry and where people fail uh, in a big way is, again, when you use those back of the napkin kind of calculations, it doesn't take any of that information into consideration. Yeah, exactly. When you talk about the business as an asset, one of the things I share with wealth managers and business owners is in that same spirit, if you're thinking about their portfolio without even doing evaluation, I can tell you that if you look at a a pie chart of the, the holdings of the business owner, the slice that represents the value of their business is probably the largest slice of their portfolio when they think about it in that context. So somewhere in that conversation about the, the value of their business slice is diversification, right? Oh, a hundred percent is, is one thing I've, I've been successful at is trying to convince business owners. If you can run a business, whatever that business might be, you know, say it's construction. If you can run a complex business like that, you have the ability to, to run and own almost any business. 
and trying to convince them that you they have that ability because a lot of times they don't see it. They they see themselves as uh, the operator of again a construction business or a real estate business. And and once you get them to understand they can do it and it's all about people, you know, putting the right people in the right seats to run the individual operation, it really opens them up because now they really step back and they really understand you know, that their business is an asset and they really understand they can uh, invest in more assets and have more control over their life. Um, you know, and, it, and it's, it's kind of a neat thing to see them do and see people be successful at it. Yeah. Um, and more of them can be successful at it. They just need that little, uh, I'll say, push to help them think that way. Yeah, for sure. Um one of the other questions that comes up a lot as we're contemplating this potential sale is, who do I sell to? Uh, should I be talking to strategics? Should I be talking to financial buyers? Is it family members? What's been your experience? Well, each situation can be different. Um, again, in, in the case of, say, a family business where you, know, you have uh, future family members that really are interested, really have the ability to run the business, you're, you're going to look to the family members to sell it, and you're going to try to transition it to them in the most tax-efficient way uh, that you can. Um, if you're looking to just you know, get out and get the most money, I mean, typically you'll look to a strategic buyer because typically they're going to pay the highest premium because there's going to be a, a good synergy uh, fit that's going to make them feel the value that, that, that is there. You know, and then, and then in between, there's all sorts of other uh, ramification and aspects that can come into play. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about the, the process of getting there. Uh, a lot of times, business owners may say, hey, I got a phone call from a competitor. I've known this person for 20 years. They made me an offer. Should I take it? Can you talk a little bit about that sort of uh, the rifle shot versus having a formal process that's run by, say, an investment bank where they're going to market and they're actually creating that auction. Yeah, the, the danger with, you know, uh, you know, and, and every business owner, currently in this market, almost every business owner that has a successful business is getting a call. Um, you know, just because there's a lot of capital on the sidelines, they're trying to invest it to get great returns. So if you, if you take that call and, and sort of I'll say take that or pursue that offer. Sometimes you're leaving a lot of money on the table, um, you know, and you may not have the insight that, say, an investment banker or a business broker that maybe is really a specialist in your business that can, you know, kind of know what your industry is selling for. Um, you know, that can be a, a dangerous thing to do. Um, again, I go back to um, groups like in your industry that get together. They're a good resource for a business owner to at least give you an indication of, you know, what's going on in the marketplace. Many business owners do not have a good insight to, you know, what is going on in their marketplace. What is their business really worth? And again, that goes back to, you know, hiring good um, professionals to help you from, you know, uh, an investment banker. It could be a valuation person, and, and a good uh, accounting firm. Yeah. Now, a, a consultative valuation professional can certainly help benchmark the offer and give a business owner an idea of where that offer falls in terms of multiples relative to what the, what's going on in the market. But I'm also a big believer in the, uh, I'll call it the, the tension that's get, that gets created in the auction when um, 
potential buyer receives that information memorandum and they know that there's 18 other people that are going to see it and they know that they really need to step up. And uh, it's a process that business owners, I don't want to say have to embrace, but they, they need to, I think, lean into it a little bit, don't you think? Oh, I, I agree 100%. Is, and, and what's unique is, is like a business owner might be resistant to that, but if they put their home on, on the market, right, they're going to hire a, real, a professional real estate yeah. agent. They're, they're hoping that they get 15 bids, right? And, yep. But yet on their business side is they, they sometimes are a little hesitant to, to deal because it is a little, you know, you know, uh, stressful to, you know, to get 15 offers and try to weed through, you know, and get someone to explain to you what each one means, you know, how they're different. I mean, maybe this number's higher, but it has these restrictions and all these, um, uh, reps and warranties that you're going to have to make. And, you know, so it's, it's, you know, but it's just a funny dynamic where I agree with you is yeah. hire the professional because at the end of the day, particularly if you're just selling to, I'll say cash out, you, you, you want to try to get the highest value you can. Yeah. A lot of times the resistance is, oh, I don't want to pay the fee, but they'll, they'll more than make up for it in the, in the auction process and getting that value. And uh, by having a formal process run by a professional that does it, they'll be able to explain what all those different offers mean and, and figure out the right strategy. Absolutely. Tell me something. Um, when, I, when I've talked to business owners um, and asked them, why are you not selling at this time? What's, what's preventing you? A lot of the things that I hear is, well, I really don't know what I'm going to do next. And my spouse doesn't want me at home. Um, what, what, what are you seeing? Well, that's as, a valid point, you know, like no spouse <laughs> wants you at home. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go there right now. But what, what do you see as some of the, the major, uh, roadblocks, if you will, for business owners and just getting to that mindset that, that maybe it, it is something to think about? Well, again, that goes back to the emotional aspect and, and, and you're, you're right is everyone hits a point in their life where, you know, they've been in a, a certain business, they've been running it for you know, 15, 20, 30 years. And it's been their life. You know, you know, I mean, it's what they do every day. And, and they do uh, struggle with that idea of, you know, what am I going to do? And, and that's where I think I try to step in and, and, and help them understand that, okay, you've run this business, you can do something else, you know, if, if that pleases you, and it could be way different than what you're currently doing, you know, and you could be successful at it because you've been successful at, um, you know, what you're currently doing. Yeah. Let's unpack that just a little bit, because I, I, I think we're, we're saying some, you're saying something that I've shared with other business owners when they're talking about how to maximize their valuation in the sale. And it isn't necessarily about getting the last dollar per se. It's getting a fair value, making sure you're taking care of your needs, your employees needs and whatever else matters to you, but then managing those proceeds effectively so that you can do other things in the, during the rest of your life and your career. Yeah, that's, that's a very valid point because in many cases, you know, you, you've had a business, you've run it for a, a long period of time. Clearly they have employees that they're concerned about, you know, cause they want to make sure they are, are taken care of in this process. So that's part of the emotional process. And you don't necessarily want every dollar if you can help those individuals that have been, help you been successful. And then yes, is then trying to step back and say, okay, now what am I going to do? You know, not just sit at home and, um, you know, drive your spouse crazy. Um, right. but you know, do something productive, which can be a lot of different things. I mean, I've had people, um, you know, they sold their businesses, cashed out in a big way 
and they got into the ability of being very charitable, you know, um, involved with different organizations, trying to help them grow, you know, in terms of their um, message in the, the marketplace. So it could be, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be a business to make money for yourself. It could be some other, um, you know, type of event. Yeah, and it's an opportunity to pursue another passion project, yes. so to speak. I mean, like if you look at a famous Bill Gates, that's kind of what he's done. He's, you know, he sold basically a significant portion of his business, started a foundation, and he's been trying to do philanthropical uh, things throughout the world. Yep. Jim, for folks who are watching and listening and want to learn about you, how they can work with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Uh, again, I'm on LinkedIn, James uh, Rogers Jr. Uh, my uh, email is jim.rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S, at hfco.com or www.hfco.com. Jim, we are down to the short strokes here, just a couple of minutes to go before we have to wrap, but I want to give you the last word here on tips and advice for business owners. You've alluded to one thing a couple of times about the importance of being involved in user groups for other business owners. Um, what other things would you recommend that business owners think about? Well, um, you know, you, you know, again, there's user groups. It's um, evaluate your professionals from, you know, the whole team, legal, accounting, insurance, um, again, investment bankers, if you're so inclined and an evaluation expert, you know, um, to make sure that you have a team in place so that if you decide at some point, you know, to move forward in a transition, um, you know, you're not scrambling at the last minute uh, to, to do that. Yeah. And one of the most important things that I've advised in identifying that team of players, if you will, is to name a quarterback so that all the participants are talking to one another so that the business owner's interest is top of mind for everybody and that decisions aren't made in a vacuum. Who typically would, would quarterback uh, that type of scenario? Yeah, internally in, in your organization is, is you need a, a strong, it's usually a financial person, somebody in your financial group that you know tends, because a lot of the information that people are looking for is financially driven. Um, so it's usually the combination of a, depending on the size, it could be a financial and operations person. Um, uh, you know, the owner uh, will be involved, but he shouldn't be the quarterback or he or she because, you know, it takes a lot of time to coordinate all that effort. Yeah, and there's also, also that emotional component that we alluded to earlier as well. Oh, good, 100%. Good get in the way. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, we are out of time here, Jim, but uh, I can't, bummer. Thank, you. can't bummer. thank you. I'm going to have to have you back. This was a lot of fun. Okay, thanks. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Uh, we had a great numbers. time. See thanks. you soon. Absolutely. <laughs> we're, we, today we're talking about transitioning your business with Jim Rogers, who's the managing partner at Hayfley Flanagan. Uh, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I want to say thank you to the Big Cheese here for running the board today, for making the show go so smoothly. Thank you, the audience, for watching and listening. Can't do the show without you. And, of course, a big thank you to Hayfley Flanagan for sponsoring this episode of Behind the Numbers. Definitely check them out. Great accounting firm. They're at hfco.com. Check them out and learn more. Again, I'm Dave Bookbinder. You can find me on LinkedIn. Always happy to have a conversation. That is all we have for today, folks. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care.